Welcome to Dr. Suzanne Howard's audio play. Thank you for downloading and I pray you are truly blessed. To get more information on Dr. Suzanne Howard's ministry, feel free to visit www.suzannemhoward.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Hello, hello, and hello. How are you this evening? 
Good to see you on. We have 61 of us on tonight. Where's the party people at? Let's get things started. Come on home. Thomasina's flowers still look so good up there. Come on home. Come on home. Good evening, Camille and Diana, Ashley, Kamisha, Swift Ties, Carmen Figueroa, um, Damien, Misha, Keisha, Kingdom Health Connections, Apostle Pamela, Lisa Palmer, good evening, Coach Latanya, Brenda Berry, Elitza, hello, Donna Griffith, Gwen Tucker, Ronnie Bana, hello, Patricia Wilson, Manuel, Rosalind, Noemi, Mother Juanita, hello, good evening, Mother Furlow, Carmen Jones, <clears throat> Vanessa Bowling, Kareem Bowling, hello, Rochelle, Gwen Molden, hello, Nanita and Dominique and Carla. Good evening, Dawson Adult Care Services. Good evening, Jerry and Dajanae, Coach Maria, Chantil, hello. Good evening, Candy, Audria, Tasha. Good evening, Bianca and Karen and Leah. Hello, Lydia Cordova. You are so committed to this process. I'm really enjoying you with us. Hello, Carmen Ortiz, Cheryl Johnson, hello. Hello, Diana and Prudence. Good evening, Dominique. Tasha, welcome. Welcome home, family. Come on, it's Friday night. Good to see you, Ubi and Rena and Karen. Irene, hello, Carmen. Hello, everyone. Good to see you on here. Good to see your commitment. I was speaking with my niece. And matter of fact, why didn't I see her name on here? Destiny, if you're here, check in. I was checking um, with my niece and she, I said to her, I'm just glad to see that you're committed. And um, she shared some, um, I would say their defense mechanism. She shared some defense mechanisms that she has not been doing since she's been on. So detox. So let's give her a hand a clap. Let's hope this isn't drums. Is this drums or is this claps? I think this is claps. Am I hitting claps or drums? She shared. She said, Auntie, I haven't been doing blank or blank since I've been on here. She said, some nights it gets a really tough. I want to cope. She said, so instead I've been chewing gum. I said, girl, you better work it if it works. Metacognition. Knowing what you don't know about yourself. Hello, Nick Otero. Thank you, Jerry. Yeah, she's doing a good job. Young girl. She, I don't know, is Destiny 23, 20, 20 something? Really, really young, under 25, over 18. And <clears throat> she's really committed. She said she's been struggling for sure, but her self-awareness is so alive and abundant that for all of us, I know that was, that was my first response to know that there really is something that you can do 
about these things that we do knowingly or unknowingly and things that we do that we don't like that we do them. We don't want it to be our struggle. And she's excited and knowing that there's something we can do about it. And that's my whole love for the soul and understanding of spirituality and psychology. It's amazing what God has had all this time ready to send to the earth. And he's given me a small platform for now, but we're going to get this out, right? We're going to like and share and we're going to, um, we're going to like and share and we're going to, um, get that YouTube up to there's destiny. And we're going to get the YouTube subscribers up to a thousand, right? Ebony, what comment, what count are we on now? What count are we on now? Destiny, I thought you was in a car by now heading over here. We need to get those subscribers on YouTube up to a thousand before we finish out this month. I'd like to start coming on a couple times a week, twice a week. And I pretty much think I've learned the days that people like. We're up to 953 subscribers on YouTube. More clapping. 953 subscribers on YouTube. We need to hit a thousand before we're done this month. Can you help me? Can you help me to reach a thousand subscribers on YouTube? Thank you, Cheryl Johnson. 953. We need to get these subscribers up. Can you help me? I need a big offering from you. I need you to find everybody you can to hit like and be a subscriber on YouTube. So thank you everyone for all that you do. You're such a wonderful part of this. The emails that I get, you just don't know how ah, transparent moment, but you don't know how much it means. You know, a lot of y'all will start talking about yourselves and how soul detox is a blessing to you. And then y'all will go in and say, don't stop doing this. Keep going. You're so encouraging. And you don't know how helpful it is because when you are first on the battlefield, first to bring something out, people don't understand it. People don't like it. You know, if I was up here doing gossip, like um, some of these talk show hosts do or these media influencers, people would be liking left and right. If I was up here talking about men from a woman perspective, they'd be liking it left and right. If I was up here talking about um, women from a, another perspective, they would be liking. If I was up here um, advocating for my sexuality, oh, the lights would be falling. But when you start dealing with the issues of the heart, the issues of the soul, the mind, people are a little slow because the work is touchy. It's tricky. It's personal. It's real. So people are not like, mm, I'm going to listen to her, but I ain't never going to like this stuff. I'll listen to her, but I'm never going to subscribe. I don't want people to even know that I listen to this kind of stuff because it's just so vulnerable for me. You know, and sometimes we don't want people to see what we like because we want to get what we get from it and not have it done in front of a bunch of people and an audience. So 
Thank you, Rena. She says she just subscribed about 30 seconds ago. So the accounts are going up already. So it's a big deal. And I understand what I do. That's why I sent out that post to everyone who's registered. You get my, my post and my links. I sent out that message, you know, telling you how wonderful you are, what it is that you have invested in, what it is that you have partnered with. You are a world changer. You are changing the world starting with one person at a time and that one person being yourself. You rock and you are simply amazing. And I want to thank you for that. Yeah, that's right, Kamisha. People want to be entertained. We talked about it on last night. People want to be entertained, um, but but we, we don't want to address the matters of our heart. We want to pay our entertainers. We want to pay our um, sports ath athletes, but for teachers ministers, pastors, we, we don't want to give them much at all. And, and they shouldn't be wealthy either. That's the, those are humble positions. You shouldn't be wealthy. Well, destiny is going to be 22 next week. That's good. Congratulations and happy birthday to you. Thank you for joining us. And we're going to get started. How are you? My solutionist secretary, Ebony said she had to type like a little bird just beating its beak on some seeds, trying to get it open. She said she was going, 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 that we were going so fast last night. But um, you got the gist of it. You know, I didn't have to go that deep in denial or avoidance or passive aggressiveness, but I did because I believe that those areas are very strategic areas that we really, I don't want you to leave my presence in these 30 days and have not had some real transformation information that will be in your mind that you will continue to work on. And those three I felt were very specific. Good. Good evening, Latoya. Thank you, Rochelle. Good. And that's why we went in like that. Um, but tonight won't be so heavy, but Saturday. And then today, I believe the Holy Spirit was giving me more vision about um, after we cut off at night to come back on for only those who want to come in a little bit later and maybe have some prayer, some word of knowledge. Uh, maybe we can have some discussions and it might be a smaller group because everyone might not want to come back on, but I'll just do the regular show minister in the normal way here. And um, then we can, you know, let it go and then go in and do a, um, I forget what it is that Facebook keeps messaging me about, um, not their events, but it's something like that, but it's just on Facebook and you have to, um, it's private. It's not a live, it's a live private. So I might try out one of those with y'all and just see what we can do. See how late we go. We may go 15 minutes. Um, we may go an hour. We could go three hours and just see how it goes and just have people sharing and, you know, ministering and praying and whatever it is we need to do. Maybe some real minute mental health coaching as well. So welcome family. It's got 91 of us in here tonight. So why don't we go ahead and get started? Um, for formality purposes, please make sure that you have downloaded my app, the spaces app, go to where you download your apps from and put in the search bar spaces, just like space spaces and you'll see spaces by wix w-i-x and you can download the app once you download that app 
at that search bar, put in my name, uh, Suzanne M. Howard, and then you will have the app right there. You can book your appointments. You have private messages between you and I. Um, you can see um, any invoices, any events, any material that I wanted you to have, any assessments that come up, um, any badges that you earn here, um, discount coupons, free session appointments that I'm going to be sending out for all of those who registered. So make sure you registered. All of this of what I'm saying is on my website at www.suzannemhoward.com. All right. And again, you lovely people who give without being asked. Like y'all are what make this world go round. Man, I'm telling you, I hang up and I get a text message. You didn't ask or you didn't remind us to give, but I want you to know I gave anyway. And again, Vanessa Bolin, who has been giving every single night, every single night, she sends a seed in when it's over it. I don't ask for it. It's how she's led. And we've learned in church, I'm sure, and from the Bible, that when someone has sold to you um, material matter of any sort, whether they've given you things or given you clothing or gave you advice or helped you or offered you something, when you have it, you should return unto them. And without asking, that principle is working right here. Um, so thank you, Dr. Vanessa, for sewing consistently every single night. Carmen Jones, I think I see your name every single night. Um, and Danielle Griffiths, who sewed, gosh, she probably won't want me to tell. So I'll wait until she gives me permission. Danielle, if you give me permission, uh, let me know and I'll go ahead and um, I'll go ahead and say it. But Danielle, who's, who sold a very nice size seed, I just thank you. And Kamisha, who sold a seed so that I could get better lighting in here. Do y'all see how much better the lighting is in here? We were able to improve the lighting because she heard a need and said, I'm going to sew and I'm sewing for you to get the new lighting that you need set up. It's people like you. It's people like you that are my world changers. So thank you. So let's talk tonight about defense mechanisms. Night 19 on Friday, January 20th. And we are on our 20th defense mechanism. Um, really, we're probably on our 19th because someone had brought to my attention that I had two of them listed twice. I think it was rationalizations. That's twice in the book. When you get it, you'll see it. Um, so we made those adjustments as well. But for the purposes of where we are tonight, we're on our 20th and we are talking about a defense mechanism known as humor. Funny, I just came out of a family meeting, literally just eased in the driveway at 6.54 p.m., ran upstairs, dropped my purse, said hello to some people here in the house, went in the room to say hello to my husband, sat down here and started the live. And it was amazing because while we were having our family meeting, um, someone in the meeting brought up how someone seems to use humor the wrong way and that they could see that the person that they're talking about in the room together, their face is just crushed. And I looked over to them. I said, you know, that's a defense mechanism. They was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, it's a defense mechanism. I said, it's meant to hurt, but they use humor so that they could get themselves heard. And he was like, wow, I'm going to mention that. I'm going to see if he knows that he's using that as a way to cope, a very unhealthy way to cope. 
So see how quickly I was able to even use it. And he was like, the, the girl that he was with, man, you could see her face was just crushed. She was so hurt at the things he was saying. He said, and it's amazing. This is the physiological portion that I've been stressing with y'all. He said, you can even see, um, he said, even myself, the humor wasn't even towards me, but I felt it in my chest. Like I could feel the energy of what he was saying. And it's like, and it wasn't even to me and it hurt me. That's real, right? That's some real stuff right there. That's some real stuff. Excuse me for a minute. So it goes with what we're talking tonight because our 20th defense mechanism is humor. As a defense mechanism, humor is decreasing the anxiety associated with the situation by pointing out something funny or ironic about it. Humor is, humor is widely regarded as one of the higher level defense mechanisms. I want you to write that down. Higher level defense mechanisms. And, and, and in case you're going to ask, because I know this audience, you're a very astute uh, set of people I have in session. Um, you're going to ask, does that include smiling and laughing? Yes. All under the umbrella of defense mechanisms. Then the sub umbrella is humor. Under humor, you can include smiling, laughing. You ever had someone laugh at a time when they weren't supposed to? It's a higher level defense mechanism. And again, it's purpose. Why we do it or why someone does it is because it is associated with decreasing the anxiety associated with that current situation. Oddly enough, by pointing out something funny or ironic that is going on or being said. I remember one time I, I was sharing something and I didn't know that it was so heavy on my heart. And I like bust into tears. Like, like you ever have it where you didn't even know you were going to cry and it kind of like just caught you in the throat. And then you just kind of like cry a little bit. And the person who saw me started laughing. And, and I looked and I was like, whoa, it hurt me so bad. I tried my best to pull my tears back because I felt so embarrassed. But I didn't realize later that that was a defense mechanism. They were not laughing at me. They were uncomfortable with my vulnerability. And my vulnerability made them uncomfortable. And their response to it was to laugh. But they didn't laugh because they thought it was funny. I think they laughed because they were afraid they were going to cry. It's a higher level defense mechanism. Understand that humor reduces an intensity of a situation. Humor reduces the intensity of a situation. Think about it. This defense mechanism created comics and comedians. You don't think God created comedians, did he? Oh my God. Defense mechanisms did it. We pay a lot of money to get the best seats in the house, to go to shows, to pay men and women, to make light and fun of some serious freaking issues in our life. Do we not? Death, um, same sex situations, debt, our presidents, um, 
What was one of them that was real touchy that just came up a little while ago? I know Dave Chappelle really hit the LGBTQ plus community, but there was one more. Of course, the presidents. It wasn't trafficking, but it was something as heavy as that. It was a war somewhere, and they made comedy out of it. And it's a defense mechanism that formed comedy. Because we're trying to figure out how to get through tough situations. For some people, being under some presidents affect them differently. So they, they have to make humor of it. People, matter of fact, that was another touchy situation that you would never think somebody could make light of to the point where it's become comedy that we pay for to go here is on abortions. On how on God's green earth did abortions become the highest topic in why or whom we vote for over crime and over the economy. So we're more concerned about getting abortions than we are the crime in our society and the cost of living in our society. That's where we are. I'm not going in there. I'm just sharing how we have touchy issues like this. Did you ever think of it like this? We have touchy issues like this. And we have comedians that come out and they will actually make you laugh on things that you are fearful of or you're angry about, our religion, our politics, right? What do y'all think? Yeah, Renee said, because the funniest comedians talk about real life. Yeah, those are the ones that seem to be the most successful, who can make you laugh about something you care about. Doesn't mean it's always funny to everyone. But there's a broad enough stage for it that they make millions off of this stuff. Yeah, Leah said, yep, she's had it happen to her before. Will people laugh at her for being emotional? Yeah, forgive them for they know not what they do. Nanita says she's familiar with this. She does this sometimes to lighten the situation. Pastor Dolores says it helps us to process at times. I, I love to laugh, but for me, laughter has its place. And it's just me. I think it's the teacher in me because I love to laugh. Don't get me wrong. If we're going out and we're at dinner or we're riding or we're going somewhere, I will be, I can be one of the biggest comics in the car. But for me, laughter has its place. There's just sometimes and some moments where I think people are laugh or just silly and it gets on my nerve. Anybody like that? Yeah, I, it has its place for me. I, I'm, I'm more in-depth, introspective, you know, oh, sometimes I'm just too much for myself, but that's how I am. And I, again, I think it has a lot to do with the office of the teacher and the apostle that's on me. But there are people um, that I know, some live right in the same house with me, that can look at a video five times and laugh at the same video five times over and over and over again. And then I come in the room and it's me, ma, or, hey, hon, look at this video. And they can barely even talk to me because they're laughing so hard watching it. And I look at it and I'm like, that's foolish. That's ridiculous. There's nothing funny about that. And they're like, oh, get out of here. You're just a killer. You just, ugh. It has its place for me. I know sometimes I'm, I'm too much for myself, but my point of it is how all this even evolved, how it came to be. Yeah. 
Rena, you are exactly correct. Rena on Facebook said, I use humor when I do public speaking to lighten the mood and it makes me less nervous. Very good. See how, so see how defense mechanisms or coping mechanisms that are not even really harmful or are they, we're going to get to that, actually do help in other areas. That's why it's oftentimes hard to break a habit because most things, including things that are not good for us, serve a purpose in us. When I preach, I often use comedy. I often use comedy. It really helps to help people. I call it the sugar to go with the castor oil. So humor is widely regarded as one of the higher level defense mechanisms. Humor reduces the intensity of a situation and places a cushion of laughter between the person and the impulses. Fantasy, when used as a defense mechanism, is the channeling of unacceptable or unattainable desires into the imagination. But humor kind of does the opposite for you. You don't have to channel anything. You're just, you just found a part of it that's funny and you work the funny part of it. For example, telling a story about a funny incident from a person's life during a memorial service is an example of using humor as a defense mechanism. The laughter helps to relieve the intensity of grief, even if at least for just a few moments. You'll see people crying, right, at funerals, memorial services. You'll see them crying and laughing at the same time, sharing some, some awesome, funny memories of the person that we are sending off home. The laughter helps in the moment. It is not an avoidance of emotions, so don't mix it with that, but simply a brief relief from it. So this part of humor as a coping mechanism, I wouldn't say it was maladaptive. I would say it's adaptive. It's healthy, but it can be unhealthy when you're using it to hurt people out of line. Like I shared with y'all earlier that um, someone shared that they were in a group where someone was using humor against someone else and they could feel it in their own body, how much it really was hurting them to hear someone uh, even go this way with this information. So let me talk about this for a minute with humor. Okay. Um, research was done on comedy and how comedy can act as a defense mechanism to ward off aggressive hostility regarding world matters. Um, there was someone who did an interview a while ago with a few comedians over a period of time. I think it was about a decade, to be honest. And the results of that study showed that almost 80% of comedians had experienced traumatic childhoods. So some of y'all who have heard this before, you probably know already what I'm getting ready to say next. That it has been a highly researched and it has been shown highly probable that most comedians, most, not all, are depressed. Have you heard that? Have you, have you seen, have you been amazed at the amount of comedians that actually commit suicide? You're like, man, they, I watched their same stand-up comedy for 10 years and I still crack up at it and they commit suicide? And you're amazed how someone who can play in comedy movies, do stand-up comedy, would commit suicide. Because humor, comedy, 
laughing, smiling, right? We talked about all of that, grouping it into one category, actually is a defense mechanism to ward off pain, anxiety, guilt, trauma. So most comedians end up in those positions because of childhood trauma that has caused them to develop a defense mechanism such as humor and has actually opened the doors for them to platforms and money and a whole completely different lifestyle. But they have never been ministered to, they've never been therapeutically treated. So oftentimes, because the demand gets greater, greater, make me laugh, make me laugh, make me laugh more. They can't make you laugh anymore because they are suffering through depression. It eventually catches up, which kind of validates what I've been saying this whole 19 days that this stuff works in the short term, but in the long term, it is self-sabotaging. It is psychologically and physiologically damaging to us. Ruins relationships, shortens our lives, keeps us from being our authentic self. Yep, y'all are naming people right now on the screen that have committed suicide or at least has known for being depressed. So this statement, however, does not mean that every comedian is a troubled individual or that every troubled individual is a comedian and they use it as a means of coping. The audience that finds the comedian funny can relate to the comedian on a psychological level and hence can relate to events that are joked about and relate them to the events in their own memories. Those are the social media posts or the comedians that I find funny when it's something that can relate to something I've been through and they make a joke out of it now. That's what I can relate to. It's hard for me to relate to some of this other stuff. Just me. They are equally troubled and they find solace in the relatability, but the spotlight is not on them, the audience. And that means that not everyone needs to make jokes to make themselves feel better. How many of y'all can say that you use jokes to make yourself feel better? Are you on here tonight? You use humor or jokes to make yourself feel better. Everyone has a different self-defense coping mechanism and different people see comedy in different ways. While some see comedy as a relief, a relief, a release from the pain of existence in an otherwise ordinary world, some see it as a distraction, one that has to be curbed. The worst case scenarios is when someone who has low self-esteem and social anxiety, did you hear me? The worst case scenario is when someone who has low self-esteem and social anxiety uses humor involuntarily when they get anxious. They start hating themselves for having said anything at all and end up spiraling into self-loathing tendencies. It's in the book. It's in the book. Y'all should see my, um, y'all should see my self-esteem book. 
Let me see if Peyton will get it for me before um, I hang up. My own book, right? You have the one that I've written and the one that I have written, but I have made applicable. I have made application of it to myself. I've gone through it three times. And each time I go through it, I'm taking myself through a different level of personal development. Self-esteem. Listen, because oftentimes when people read the book, they don't really get what the self-loathing tendencies are. I'm going to read that again. Oh, come on, Maria. In the book, page 42, tell me what you got, girl. In in my book, or are you talking about, I mean, the defense mechanism book? Or did Ebony tell you to go get it? Who told you to go get it? You heard me? Look, I got things in here. My book is, can you even see it? My book is all written into, look, this, I wrote this book. Okay. And look at my book. I got stickies through the whole book circles. Can you see? Just so y'all know. Apostle Paul said that have after I have done all that to not be able to apply this to my own life would cause me to be a shipwreck. Your book is marked up too. Come on, Pastor D. The first one ever written and I've already gone through it three times and my coaches are ready to take you through it. Anyone feel like they struggle with low self-esteem? Do you feel like you struggle with low self-esteem? How do I know? Self-esteem is important because it greatly influences one's choices and decisions. What choices and decisions in your life have you made that now If you look back then, knowing what you know now, you would not have done or made the decisions or marry who you marry or broke up with who you broke up with or invested in what you invested in or joined what you joined or rejected what you rejected. You would not have handled it or made the decision or the judgment that way because now looking back, you made it during a time of your life when you were greatly influenced by low self-esteem. In other words, self-esteem serves as a motivational function by making it more or less likely that the people will take care of themselves and explore their full potential. People with high self-esteem are people who are motivated to take care of themselves and to persistently strive towards the fulfillment of personal goals and aspirations. People with lower self-esteem do not tend to regard themselves as worthy or happy of their outcomes or capable of achieving them. So they tend to let important things slide and be less persistent and resilient in terms of overcoming adversity. They may have the same kinds of goals as people with higher self-esteem, but they are generally less motivated to pursue them to any conclusion. What did that have to do with what I just said? I'm so glad you asked. That's why I love this group right here. I'm going to read it to you because the worst case scenario is when someone who has low self-esteem and social anxiety uses humor involuntarily when they get anxious, 
they start hating themselves for having said anything at all and end up spiraling into self-loathing tendencies. That was so major. And I know a lot of preachers that have this. Anointed vessels, articulate vessels, perhaps even educated vessels. But after they preach, they're feeling so insecure. Their self-talk is on fleek. They're questioning everything they said. They may even go down and start asking people for validation because they spiral into self-loathing tendencies. Anybody here know about that? You say something to someone, you share something with someone and you spiral into self-loathing. You hang up the phone and you automatically start going into these questions of yourself. You do a speech, you have a conversation, you answer a question somewhere and you automatically start questioning what you said and you spiral. We have no right to beat ourselves up, even if that is our first response. We have the responsibility of owning up to our mental health and either working on our social hindrances or dealing with them in a way that we may not be comfortable with. Comedy is a great way to do that. Distraction humor. Distraction humor is an efficient method of getting yourself out of a tense situation without having to deal with it. The next time someone tells you, you are a pain to handle, you could just say, that's what she said and deal with the situational reality of you being annoying later. It takes away the need for a split decision-making process. And usually that's why we end up using defense mechanism because we think everything needs to be a split decision decision. I need to respond now. I need to do it now. So then you fall into a defense mechanism because your fear and the anger is all popping up. You don't have to show up with an awkward, half-hearted apologies. They don't need to be made. You can assess the situation in your own time which is what's great about using humor to distract any present company. It isn't ideal because reliance on repetitive distraction is a sign of poor decision-making skills, if not bad conversational skills. And some people may see through it instantly. It's a win-lose situation one way or the other. I want to read that again. We're going to be able to finish this last one tonight, but I want to read this again. You can assess the situation in your own time, which is what's great about using humor to distract any present company. However, it isn't ideal to use defense mechanisms, any of them, especially the one tonight, humor or comedy, because reliance on repetitive distraction is a sign of poor decision-making skills. It's, it's also known to be bad conversational skills and some people may see through it instantly. So it's always a win lose situation, no matter how many times you use them. We all think about that. Can you all agree with that? So we use it kind of, um, to that split second decision-making or when that real pressure is on you or when, the, the room, the meeting has gone really deep 
and you kind of use humor to pull the room out and let's get them back on track again. That happens too. And it can release anxiety in the moment. It can relieve tension in the moment. It's medically even proven laughter used appropriately to improve someone's recovery from any kind of illness. Always keep in mind that there's always the chance of it backfiring. And then that's going to create discomfort in another person or the room. Humor that's inappropriate can damage relationships in the workplace or in any group setting, including the church, even from the pulpit. I've seen some really tacky humor come over the pulpit and people took it harshly instead of saying that this person is just struggling with a little fear right now. So don't take the joke like that. And people crucified them. When using the self-defeating style of humor or comedy, others can actually lose respect for you. This is the worst part that I see in ministry a lot, or at first I saw it in corporate America a lot. Not only do people lose respect for you, but I've seen people begin to not take you serious for promotions, for opportunities. When things are going on, you're like, I've been here and I've been committed. You're never calling on me. People don't take you seriously because you have not worked through this coping mechanism that you have of making light of everything, making humor of something. So people don't know how you're going to show up when they really need you. So you're the silly girl. You're the one that's good for laughs. I want to hang with you when it's time to laugh, but I'm not going to promote you. I want to be around you because I know you know how to turn a meeting and make us all start cracking up, but you're not someone that I'm going to trust to get an assignment done with. So they're not taking you serious anymore. And that's where it really begins to hurt your life. Okay. So the last one that we have for this month is self-serving bias. Self-serving bias. This occurs when the ego needs to protect itself from criticism, both from self and from others. In self-serving bias, a person tends to exaggerate the importance of their actions or achievements. Self-serving bias. When people need to exaggerate the importance of their actions or achievements. This distorts the person's reality and makes it easier for them to deal with the unpleasant feelings that result from criticism. For instance, a colleague who failed to hit their target at work might emphasize everything. They, they did and apportionately blame all the failures on somebody else or something else, some external factor to avoid being criticized for their failure. So they're the type that if it's anything good, I did it. Or you got the, the, the religious believers. If anything good happens, God did it. Anything bad happens, somebody else did it. Or again, the Christian factor. If anything bad happens, the devil did it. We only can relate good with God and, and what we perceive as bad or bad for us, we automatically throw on the devil. That's having a self-serving bias, even in your relationship with Christ, even in relationship to your faith. 
a self-serving bias. I was working with someone on this today. Why is it that God is bad or doesn't exist every time something in your life overtakes you and you can't seem to get out of it or get the answers for it? Why is it my God when you're having problems? Do you read the Bible? Do you see how God uses situations and situations? He even uses the consequences of our bad choices to teach us very important lessons that he's going to bring us through anyway. So watch for having the self-serving bias, even in your relationship to God, your relationship with your leaders. If they're not serving me, then they're, they're not my pastor. That's not a pastor thing to do. That's not a Christian thing to do. It's not a motherly thing to do. It's not a womanly thing to do. You relate to me through a self-serving bias. You relate to your God or your faith as with a self-serving bias. The good things is your God. The good things is your pastor. The good things are self-serving to you. You did it. But anything bad makes the person not who they are supposed to be, period, good, bad, or indifferent, makes God either a failed God or somebody who doesn't love you, so it has to be the devil, or it can never be you. It's always got to be someone else. Self-serving bias defense mechanism. And that's because you're trying to thwart off the pain of the anger that's already been repressed that has not been dealt with in your life. So for you, let me get rid of it because I can't deal with any more bad news. You ever talk to people and you're just trying to point out things they could do better or you're simply pointing out something that they did wrong, but you're not blaming them. You're simply sharing that they did something wrong. And right away, they're like, I'm always blamed for blame. Where does that? And then we have to take the time as mental health coaches to figure out where are you getting this word from? Why is this word blame such a, anytime you, you can't be held accountable to anything because you feel blamed for it. You refuse to take responsibility for matters that go bad or poorly because you feel blamed for it. And see, this is where words become very important to a mental health coach because as a man speaks, it's coming from the issues of his heart. The words that he releases from his mouth comes from the overflowing pain or whatever it is that's in their heart. We can tell by the words you use. And blame is a word you listen for. And guilt is a word you listen for. And shame and deflection, self-serving biases. We listen in those conversations to find out how is it that you relate good and evil in the world. It's a defense mechanism so you can always feel good. self serving bias. That's actually a good one. I think I could do a whole lot more on that one than I did. That's good. Did y'all enjoy that one? So I want to give you the introduction for where we're going to be tomorrow so you can get psyched up. And then I'm going to let y'all go. And we're going to have pizza and wings and some Pepsi and um, let my hair down, enjoy a movie or something tonight with my family. So let me give you the introduction for tomorrow. How does defense mechanisms affect our identity? Did you know that identity is a mathematical term? It belongs to the scientific theory of social mathematics, which was first studied in the late 18th century by French mathematician and philosopher Marie-Jean-Antoine Nichols de Carrette. So you got a whole bunch more. 
Identity refers to the algebraic concept of equality among citizens in terms of their legal rights and obligations. Marquise, who became famous for Condorcet's paradox, came up with the term when studying the relationship between the individual and the collective as a way of formalizing the foundation of the democratic system. According to him, if a nation and or multiple individuals intellectually, I'm sorry, identically accept the rules of the community, they attain the status of citizens. Read it over yourself. It's so good. However, identity has also come to express the differences between us. Simply speaking, identity is a combination of your physical and behavioral traits that define who you are. For example, your name is part of your identity. That's why names used to be so important in biblical days and in early life days, as is the form and color of your eyes and your fingerprint. This set of characteristics allows you to be definitively and uniquely recognizable. Talking about identity. Identity plays an important role in empowering individuals to exercise their rights and responsibilities fairly and equitably in modern society. It is imperative for social, economic, and digital inclusion as it provides access to basic human rights such as healthcare, pensions, social benefits, the ability to exercise our right to vote, and beyond. But to be able to assess those rights, one needs to be able to prove that they are who they claim to be. The process of identity development, a major task of adolescence, is often fraught with anxiety. According to theory, defense mechanisms function to control anxiety. According to theory, defense mechanisms function is to control anxiety. Thus, one might expect the use of defense defenses to be related to identity development and has been founded on that. Late adolescence in the non-committed identity statuses, we'll go into this, how strong use of defenses in contrast to those in the committed statuses. We're going to go into it tomorrow. Further, it has been demonstrated that the use of defenses is a linear function of the degree of crisis associated with identity status. Stay with me, y'all. In the laboratory, several studies have demonstrated that experimental threat to an individual's identity results in the heightened use of defense mechanisms. So what are we all really fighting here for? What are we fighting ourselves for? Identity. This increased defense use is greater when the threatened characteristic is more central to the person's self-representation. Everyone, type it on the screen, everyone experiences negative times and situations in their life. Everyone. It's these situations that teach us a great deal about ourselves. How will you react? Some of us can work through a situation while others rely on defense mechanisms to make them feel better, if even for a short time. 
Defense mechanisms are a series of behaviors we use that attempt to separate, protect us from unpleasant events, actions, thoughts, or feelings. It all boils down to protecting the ego. When you begin to feel anxious, instead of just outright collapsing, your body goes into an almost fight or flight mode and begins to employ these subconscious defense mechanisms to make you feel better and eradicate bad feelings. Think of it like your egos get better quick pill. Any situation that can cause uncertainty in your life triggers your mind to create protective shields, allowing us to cope with what is occurring. In the short-term use, defense mechanism can stop us from dwelling on something for too long and allow us to move on. However, hiding behind our defense mechanisms only provides temporary relief and can do and will do more harm than good, preventing us from growing as individuals. Defense mechanisms can make you feel as though you've developed confidence when instead you've only created a false sense of comfort for yourself. I am your host, Apostle Dr. Suzanne M. Howard. I thank you for your time tonight. I will be here same time, same station, 7 p.m. tomorrow night when we're going to go into what is happening to our identity, including self-righteousness and pride and how we end up with a lot of distrust, how defense mechanisms hurt us even more than we've talked about already, how to become masters at working your defense mechanisms. We're going to have an online assessment to do finding out if all this is really worthwhile that we're putting ourselves through a short tap into our emotional awareness, how to let go of things and finding out who you really are. Are you with me? Can I, can I relate to you? Can I trust you to commit to me and this process for the next 11 days? We have 11 days yet, and this is where we will be. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. God bless you. Good night. You're doing very well. I'm so, 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 so proud of you. If no one has told you, I am so proud of you. And you are already beginning to look like what it is you've been going through in these last 20 days. God bless you all. Have a good night. Enjoy some self-care time, some me time, or some family time tonight and be at peace with yourself. In Jesus' name, good night. Let it
Dr. Suzanne Howard is happy to have shared this time with you. To get more information on solutions and personal development, coaching, and counseling of the soul, go to www.suzannemhoward.com. You can also find her on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Periscope. Thank you for tuning in with us.